Okay, so here's what I don't understand. I keep preaching and preaching and preaching, and nobody's listening to me. Yeah, I'm serious. On and on and on. You know, I tell people all the time, I told you how to vote, and they didn't vote that way. I told them what to do with this mass and COVID business, and nobody paid any attention. I tell them constantly, you don't need a new car. The cheapest car to drive is the one you're driving, you know, just because everybody else says you've got to have a new one. I don't know how many times I said, stay out of the credit card business. Once they got you, they got you. Why are you drinking so much? It costs too much. You don't get anything out of it anyway. Are you crazy? They won't listen. I keep talking. Don't get caught up in this nicotine business. It took me years to get over that. You know what I mean? Brush your teeth. Go to bed on time. Eat right. I keep talking. Nobody's listening. Question, anybody feel that way? Like you're talking and nobody's listening? Well, maybe I've got an answer for that. It's our text this morning. It's Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, and it simply says this. Do not give what's sacred to the dogs, and do not give pearls to pigs. If you do, they might trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. Don't give what's sacred to dogs, and don't give pearls to pigs. I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about, right? There's some times where you just don't want to waste your efforts. You don't want to waste your time. Also, we're finding out in this text that it just seems like some people are just pigs. I mean, that's just the way it is. In other words, not everybody's like you and I, not sensitive to spiritual things and evil things. Some people don't recognize wholesome things and sacred things. It's like they got some kind of spiritual disability or something. They're not you and I. They don't have these great pearls, pearls of wisdom, pearls of love, pearls of knowledge, pearls that if people just listen to us, we sure do, we change their lives. But I can't help the ding-dong heads won't listen. They're fools. Question is, is that what Jesus is saying here? Is he saying there's actually people walking around right now that are not worthy to hear the gospel because they're dogs and pigs after all? I mean, it's what it sounds like. But it doesn't sound too Jesus-y, does it? Six-year-old Jacob was asked, what's it mean not to give your uh, pearls to the swine? He said, well, that means don't give your toys to my sister because she's a pig. <laughs> I don't know. I think the problem I have with saying that there's actually a class of people out there that are just pigs and not worthy to hear the gospel message because of it, I think my biggest problem with that is it's just not consistent with the Bible. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we all like sheep have gone astray. Listen to me carefully. We're all pigs. All of us. Jesus said that's why I came to, 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 to in the first place, to take care of the sick. He says, it's not, the, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick who needs a I, I didn't come to call righteous people. I came to call sinners. I came for the pigs in the first place, Jesus says. Something else, we're never taught that we should not do good things for people who would reject it or misuse it. In fact, we're taught just the opposite. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And then you'll be just like your Father in heaven who causes the rain to fall on the good and the bad. I think it's very clear here in this text that Jesus is not saying that there's some people out there that are not worthy of your great pearls of wisdom. I think what he's saying is you shouldn't be pushing it on people. I think the deal is, um, because nobody championed human dignity more than Jesus Christ, And so I think the deal is the problem with giving a pearl to a pig is not that the pig isn't worthy of the pearl, it's that the pearl's not going to do the pig any good. Have you ever seen a pig with a pearl? I mean, you might run in the odd one here or there. I was thinking last week about um, Fred Ziffel on Green Acres. Arnold Ziffel? I mean, he might have wore a pig or a pearl, but that's the only one I can think of. Family, I think Jesus is talking about a wisdom here that's a little deeper than that. I think he's talking about something that can save friendships and marriages and bring relationships back together with kids. 
I think he's saying that sometimes the pearls that you and I have of wisdom that we think are so wonderful that people want so badly uh, that they're not ready for them or they don't want to hear them. And in those cases, maybe we shouldn't push it on them. I think maybe that's what he's saying. Because again, a pearl doesn't, a pearl doesn't fill a pig's belly. And that's what a pig wants. He wants food. You put food in a pig's trough, he's going to be a happy pig and going to love you till the day he dies. But if you put a pearl in the food trough, you're going to have one unhappy pig. And you're going to be upset because you're thinking, what an ungrateful pig that is. I've given him all these pearls and he didn't even use them. But either way, it's not good for you or the pig. And eventually, the pig's going to turn around and take a bite out of you. Why? Because he's hungry. And at least you're edible. It's the same thing with the dog. I love my dog, Marshall Matt Dillon. If you don't believe that, ask my family. I'm crazy about my dog. But I have never and never will give my dog a New Testament Bible or a Jesus bumper sticker or one of my John Ortberg or Bob Russell sermons. I won't do it. Why? Because I don't know what he'd do with that. He might eat it, I guess. I've seen him eat a whole bag of chocolate-covered peanuts once. My point is I'm not going to not do that because my dog's not worthy. I'm not doing it because it's not going to do my dog any good. See, I think what Jesus is talking about here is how you and I relate to the people around us who aren't Christians. we got to be careful. Last week, he said, when you're out dealing with people, don't have a judgmental eye. Don't, don't be condemning people. Remember, that's what we learned last week? Just a couple of sentences later, so he's still talking about that. He says, don't give your pearls to pigs. Don't, don't treat people the wrong way. I think maybe what Jesus is forbidden here is the practice of what John Ortberg calls pearl pushing. And that's when you and I push our pearls, our wisdom, and our will, and our way, and our superior knowledge, because, man, we know so much. We know everything there is to know about the politics and the COVID, and I, just ask us. We know everything. I think he's telling us, don't be pushing that on people. Now, I know if you read through the Bible, you're probably thinking, well, doesn't a pearl always mean something of value? Like, didn't Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a pearl of great price? Well, yeah, but you got to remember, Jesus was probably, not probably, he was the greatest communicator that ever walked the planet. And he loved to use images and storytelling, and he was always flexible with it. Like one time he said, uh, the kingdom of God is like yeast because it grows so quickly. And then a little later on he said, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees because it grows so quickly. So one time he used uh, yeast as positive, and the next time he used it as negative. And that's what's going on here. He's using unforgivable, unforgettable humor to drive his point home. In other words, you and I ought to be putting pig and pearl in air quotes. Either way, we shouldn't be pushing the pearl. Not these days. For several reasons. Number one, pearl pushers tend to criticize instead of encourage. That's the nature nature of pushing a pearl. Paul said in Romans 14.10, stop looking at each other with critical eyes. And when we're pushing our pearls, that's exactly what we're doing. We're out every day looking at everybody around us and seeing what's wrong with the world, what's wrong with everybody. That's what pearl pushers do. You know, it's like we've talked about this before up here several times. There's only three types of drivers on the road today. People who drive exactly like you, or the maniacs who are driving fast. Look how fast that guy's going. Or idiots who drive slower than you. Get out of the way, Grandma. You know what I'm talking about? And the point is, if people aren't doing exactly the way we think they should, if they're not thinking exactly the way we think they should politically and spiritually, and all these things, if people aren't doing exactly what we think, we're going to look for flaws. That's what pearl pushers do. And you're going to look for mistakes. And if you're looking for them, you're going to find them because they're everywhere. And you're also going to be wondering, how come nobody wants to be around me? And the quick answer is, 
pearl pushers, they tend to become superior, look down on everybody, thinking, how could you be so stupid not to see it? I see it. And people don't want to be around that. Look, pigs pick up on that pretty quickly. Pigs have very sensitive radar. And so I think the teaching we should get here, I mean, I think, is if a pig's not ready for your pearl, don't push the pearl. (laughs) In fact, I think that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. I love the way John Ortberg says this. He says, part of love is not just knowing what to say, it's knowing when to say it, and sometimes, more importantly, when not to say it. I think Solomon thought the same thing in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 14. He says, if anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. How could you take my blessing as a curse? Because the pig wants to sleep, that's why. And if you give him that pearl of blessing in the morning when he's trying to sleep, he's not going to see it as a blessing. And the truth is, your pearl might be really good. It might be great wisdom. It might be the gospel message of Jesus himself. But if the pig's not ready to hear it, Let's say you got a family member, a husband, a wife, a kid, a cousin, or co-worker, somebody you really love, and they don't know Jesus Christ, and you want them to have Jesus Christ. I mean, more than anything else. And you should. That's a good thing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But we've got to be careful how we go about this, especially today. If you're constantly pushing it, here, read this. Listen to this podcast. I want you to hear this song. I want you to see the five proofs that God exists. Look at this track. Take this track. Let me pray for you. Let me pray over lunch today, and you pray till the food's cold. I want you to find Jesus. I want you to find Jesus. You know what you're doing? Have this pearl. Have this pearl. Have this pearl. The pig's not going to like that. When it comes to telling other people about our faith, it's good for us to follow this practice of supply and demand. We all have an unbelievable group of supply here, but you've got to look for demand. Are people interested in here? Are they really interested in your testimony? Are they rolling their eyes at you? you got to look for that. I was very careful with my father-in-law in the beginning, Robert, because he didn't know anything about Christianity. He didn't care anything about Christianity. And so I was very careful when I took my shots, maybe during a Western or something. We loved those things together. And Robert was very clear, clear as a bell, whether he wanted to hear it or not. And I'm telling you, when you're offering it, people are going to make it very clear to you. Now, by the way, when he finally got got by the Holy Spirit, he became a spiritual maniac, and he knew a whole lot more about supply and demand than I've even learned today. You say, how do you know? Because he won his whole family to the Lord. His whole family. Why? Because he knew when to lean in, and he knew when to back up. And when you're spreading the gospel to people around you right now, if they're not looking at you, if they're not asking questions, if you're not hearing any sounds of listening, if they're backing up a little bit, if they got their hand on the door, then you back off or do what my wife tells me all the time. Stop talking, you know? Quit pushing the pearl and watch the pig. You'll get another chance. If it's supposed to be you, you'll get another chance. Keep praying, you'll get another chance. I think, secondly, we need to talk about where this pushing of the pearl happens most so we can be on the lookout because we don't want to push it, okay? Now, it happens in a lot of places for sure. It happens in our marriages, it happens at work, it happens in friendships, it happens at church. But I think the place where it hits home most, and probably where it does the most damage, is between parents and kids. Parental pearl pushing, try to say that three times real quickly, is devastating to the family. It's so easy to do, because we love our kids. I mean, I, I love my kids. When, when Ashley's born, I wanted to sleep in her room for two months. Angie wouldn't let us. You know, I just, everything has to be watching over everything. And when I was raising our three little piggies, we were in full control. 
We decided what they watched, what they listened to, what they ate, when they ate it, when they got up, when, who, where they went. It's a heavy burden being a parent. Some of you parents with new kids know exactly what I'm talking about. But I want to tell you something that's even tougher. Now that I'm a parent with kids who have parents or kids, what's even tougher than being a parent in control of your kids? Yeah, it's being a parent who's not in control of your kids. Especially nowadays. All this stuff going on. We're scared to death for them. We love them. We want everything to be right and then protected. And we have all these pearls of wisdom. They just listen to us, you know. It's just tough. I'm not going to lie to you. It's tough being a parent and a grandparent. I heard a story last week, true story. A mother who was trying to get her daughter into her, she had three schools, and this was a school of choice, and she was devastated because she couldn't get her in, and she was trying to think of her future, and she couldn't get her in this particular school, and she was worrying what that was going to do for her future, and I kind of got to understanding that a little bit until I found out her daughter was three years old. We're talking about getting in a preschool of choice. And my point is inflated expectations and the pressure we put on our kids can lead to pearl pushing as parents, and it's devastating our kids. Clean your room. Clean your room better than that. Brush your teeth. Brush your teeth better than that. You didn't make the honor roll? You're not topping your class? You're only second? What's up with that? You mean you didn't make the team? Oh, you made the team, but you're not on the starting five? I mean, how come you can't be more like your brother? How come you can't be more like your sister? How come you got to let me down? And we don't say those things out loud to our kids, but I'm telling you, our little piggies are sharp. They pick up everything. They're listening. I mean, think about it. You've got parents. How many of you wish your parents had lectured you a little more on this thing over and over and over again? I wish they had talked to me more about that. Are you kidding me? I mean, my kids today know what I'm going to say before I say it. I think maybe I pushed too many pearls. You know what I mean? So number three, let's think about why we shouldn't be pushing the pearls. I mean, Jesus' point here, again, is not that we don't confront people, and it's not that we don't set boundaries with people, and it's not that we don't make them uh, pay the consequences. We talked about that last week. That's all important as long as we do it in love. I, I think the point is, is this. You don't force your wisdom on a non-receptive person. Do not force your wisdom on a non-receptive person. Why? For several reasons. Number one, you can't control people anyway. All of a sudden here, when our kids and our grandkids and our friends and our cousins and our families and our neighbors and everybody we know to know Jesus Christ, we all want everything to turn out right. But you can't make that happen. You can't control people. You can't force that on them. Only our God in heaven through the power of the Holy Spirit can get that deep in a relationship. Now, here's what we do instead. We look for opportunities. We pray constantly. We look for supply and demand. But I'm telling you, now, we keep witnessing. I tell you witnessing stories all the time. Uh, again, everybody we know and love, we want them to have the treasure of Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of pain involved when they don't know Jesus Christ. But the Bible makes it clear that God created every human being with free choice. It's a grand experiment. It's the only time he's ever done this. And, and by the way, that limit uh, puts a pressure of pain on God himself. Because the Bible says that even people who, for, who choose not to choose him... He loves them anyway. He causes us the rain to fall on the righteous and the people who shake their fist at him. One way or another, you and I can't push that pearl. We can't push the pearl because we can't control those people anyway. Secondly, you don't want to be a pearl pusher because the straight-up truth is we might not be the one through which the pearl needs to come. Do you ever think of that? Tony Dungy, when he was coaching... Um, winning a lot of football games in Indianapolis and eventually the Super Bowl. While he was doing that, his son 
was playing high school football and expending a lot of energy. But all he would eat was Pop-Tarts in the morning. And I love Pop-Tarts. But I agree with Tony Dungy. That's not very nutritious, especially for a high school kid playing football. So he tried to teach his son the science of a nutritious breakfast and how he needed to fuel up in the morning. But his kid wouldn't hear it. And we're not just talking about a nobody. This is an NFL super coach. But when in one area out the other, he kept eating Pop-Tarts. Tony said he came down one morning, and this kid was fixing scrambled eggs, bacon, oatmeal, fruit. And he said, I was so tickled in my, my wisdom, my pearl wisdom finally connected. And I said, son, looks like you're fueling up. And he said, yeah, yeah, my coach told me I needed to eat a better breakfast. <laughs> his coach told him. Never mind his dad was an NFL rock star of a coach. He didn't want to hear it from his dad. And my point is, it's not that the little piggy didn't want the pearl. It's the little piggy didn't want the pearl from his dad. And sometimes no matter what great pearl you have, you might not be the vessel to which God wants it to come. So you pray about it. You don't push it. We're not pushing. we got to give the pearls. We're not pushing them. But the third, the biggest reason is sometimes, most of the time, if we're not careful, if we have this great pearl of wisdom and people don't take it, we get pretty critical. How come you didn't listen to me? I, I'm pretty smart. I've been down that road. I'm going to read a story to you. I'm, I'm closing in about a fifth-grade teacher. Her name's Mrs. Thompson, and her, uh, one of the kids in her class she couldn't stand. His name was Teddy Stollard. And this is what happens when you're critical. Teddy didn't play well with other children. His clothes were kind of a mess. He was just unpleasant to be around, very disruptive, and kind of uncooperative. It got to the point where she took great delight in putting a lot of those red ink things on his papers so he knew he wasn't doing well. Kind of made her feel good. It wasn't until halfway through the year when she was reviewing his files that she learned his story. Everybody has a story. We talked about this last week. That's why at this church we're giving out buckets of grace and not thimbles. We're giving out buckets of mercy and love, not thimbles. Because everybody's got a story, and we don't know everybody's story. Teddy had a story. She read his file. Teddy's first grade teacher wrote, Teddy is a bright child and is a, with a ready laugh. He's a joy to be around. His second grade teacher wrote, Teddy is an excellent student, well-liked by all his classmates, but he's troubled right now because his mother is very ill. Life at home must really be a struggle for this little guy. His third grade teacher wrote, Teddy's mother's death was very hard on him. He tries to do his best, but his dad doesn't show much interest. Teddy's fourth grade teacher wrote, Teddy is withdrawn, doesn't show much interest in school or anything at all. By now, Mrs. Thompson realized the problem. She was ashamed of herself. She felt even worse when her students brought Christmas presents wrapped in beautiful ribbons and bright, shiny paper, all except for Teddy's. Teddy brought her a present, too, all right, but it was quite clumsily wrapped in heavy brown paper he got from ripping up an old grocery bag. Mrs. Thompson was careful to open up in front of all the other presents. Some of the children started to laugh when she found an old rhinestone bracelet with some of the stones missing in it and a bottle that was only a fourth full of some kind of cheap perfume. She stifled the children's laughter when she explained how beautiful the bracelet was. She put it on right then. And then she dabbed some of the perfume on her wrist and smelled it and said, Oh, that's so nice. Steady Stollard stayed after school that day just long enough to say to Mrs. Thompson, Today you smell just like my mommy used to. And that bracelet sure looks good on your wrist. After the children left, she cried for a half hour. And on that very day, she quit teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic. And she started teaching children. 
Mrs. Thompson paid particular attention to Teddy. As she worked with him, she saw something good in him. His mind seemed to come alive again. The more she encouraged him, the more she believed him, the faster he responded. By the end of the year, Teddy had become one of the smartest kids in class. Six years later, she got a note from Teddy. He, he then wrote he had finished high school second in the class. Four years after that, she got another letter saying that while things had been tough at times, he would soon graduate from college with honors. Four more years passed. She eventually got another letter. This time, the letter was signed Theodore F. Stollard, M.D. He told her he'd met a girl. He told her he was getting married. He asked her if she'd come and sit in the place of the mother of the groom. And she did. And on that day, she wore the old bracelet and some of the perfume. When the wedding was over, he thanked her for being the best teacher he'd ever had. She quickly told him he had it all wrong. He's the one that had taught her. Are we learning anything? Everyday family, you and I get to choose which eyes we look at the people we deal with. Are we going to choose eyes of judgment? Choose eyes of I know better than you do? Are we going to choose eyes of love, comfort, support, and mercy like we've been talking about? Because quite frankly, I think the world's getting sick of Christians pushing their pearls on them. One last thing, we're going to take communion, just two minutes. So what do we do? Because, I mean, we've got to be disciples. We're making disciples who make disciples. How are we going to do this pushing? I hope to talk more about this next week. That's why we're leaving off here. In the meantime, I just don't think it's our job as Christians to walk around all day seeing what everything's wrong. I don't think it's our job to walk around all day trying to fix everybody. I don't think it's our job as Christians to walk around all day giving advice to everybody on every subject out there, especially if people don't want it. You know what I think our job is? Our job is to bring some hope. We're in a world right now that doesn't have any hope at all. None. Our kids see no future at all. Do you know that? They have no hope. We have it all. It's Jesus Christ. And we don't have to push it. You say, how do you do it? We do it the way Jesus did it. We just love people. You just encourage people. You just come alongside people. You give them service. You give them help. You give them mercy and lots and lots of loving, and you just sit back and watch what happens. I love what uh, William Barclay, the way he puts this in his commentary, he's talking about this whole passage of don't give your pearls to the swine and what we do with people that won't listen to us at all when it comes to the gospel. He says, what's to be done with these people? Are they just to be abandoned as hopeless? Is the Christian message simply to be withdrawn from them? Don't cast your pearls to the swine? No, 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 he says. What, worst, what Christian words cannot do, a Christian life often can. A man may be blind and impervious to any Christian argument in words, but he'll have no answer to the demonstration of a Christian love. It's often impossible to talk to some people about Jesus Christ, their insensitivities, their moral blindness, their intellectual pride, their cynical mockery. It makes it almost impossible for them to hear, hear the words of Jesus. But it's always possible to show men Jesus Christ through the way we live. And the weakness of the church today, he says, lies not in the lack of Christian arguments. We have lots of those. But in the lack of Christian love to the people around us. We decided last week that we're going to be a church that does not condemn people with our words or with our look or with our minds because we don't know anybody's stories. And because if we do that, we get it back. And we're going to be a church that dumps grace and mercy. Can we decide this week that we're going to be a church that doesn't push things? 
Don't push our ideas and our scripture knowledge and even the gospel message. But instead, we just show them Jesus Christ in the way we live, in the way we talk, in the way we serve him. You know, Jesus, first thing he said, the first words out of his mouth to anybody, before he taught them anything, before he healed them, what do you want me to do for you? Maybe you start that way, and it leads to this. His broken body and his shed blood. Jesus, we love you so much. I mean, we're not going to lie, but we're in a dark place right now. Things around us look crazy, nasty, and yet you're the light of the world. And so we walk every day in the light. And with things nuts, we're still full of joy. Our families are still going good. The reason for that is you. Help us to take that message, that joy with us everywhere we go. Because that's what you'd have us to do. We want to do it in your special, powerful name.